Hello everyone, welcome to Working in Tech. My name is Ying Tao, I'm a co-founder and working group. And today, I'm so excited to be joining with me for Michelle and Meng. So Meng is an intern and working in Tech. Meng, can you quickly introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you so much for the introduction, Ying. My name is Meng. I am one of the digital media interns here at Work in Fintech. I'm a junior at Baruch. I'm studying marketing, and it's so great to be here. Awesome. And then we wanted to really welcome our speakers today, Michelle. Michelle, do you want to quickly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you, your career, and your story to our audience? Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm super excited for our discussion today about everything fintech related. My name is Michelle Tran. I am the co-founder of NYC Fintech Woman. I also advise with a number of companies and have been a seasoned sales, business development, and partnership leader in the fintech industry. But in terms of my career, really started in financial services, more in the traditional sense of financial services with an asset manager named BlackRock, which is one of the, the largest in the space. And I have gradually gotten through a journey of really establishing myself within the fintech space by going from BlackRock all the way to a startup. So I've done everything from tens of thousands of people to working with a team that's about four or five. And so have had a, a great run there. Throughout your time at BlackRock, you expanded into so many different roles, such as client strategy and business and so much more. So what drew you to the fintech industry and what makes it so fascinating for you? Yeah, I was really fortunate. You know, one, I just love my time at BlackRock. I was there for many, many years. They took me on a global tour. So I was in our San Francisco office, our Hong Kong office, and also our New York office. And it was my last role at BlackRock that really introduced me to really what, what is fintech in general. This was in 2015 when fintech as a phrase was still relatively new. In the news, all we heard was all about robo-advisors. So in the investment space, you heard that robo-advisors, the betterments, the wealth fronts, personal capitals of the world were going to take over all of investment management. So from BlackRock's perspective, we were really interested in, one, understanding where do our products play. I worked primarily for our ETF business, the iShares business. But for, for us, where do iShares and ETFs fit within these robo-advisors? But we also recognized that there was a bigger and greater opportunity to establish BlackRock as a partner in the fintech space. And that's when I got a little bit of that, that introduction to fintech. I started working with these great startups that moved really fast and were doing some really new and interesting things. And that's really what piqued my interest. As much as I you know, really love my BlackRock days... You know, was really interested in, in joining something that moved a little bit faster, was super innovative in this space, and wanted to be part of that next wave of innovation within financial services. And so that's really what introduced me to fintech was my last role at BlackRock, and I'm, I'm really grateful for them. From there, I joined an organization called Apex. So Apex, a lot of people may be familiar with them, that they are the infrastructure that some of the robo-advisors and digital brokers like Robinhood and Stash sit on top of. And so they were doing some really cool and interesting things by providing these technologies that allow people to open accounts in five, six seconds and to be able to fund accounts and start trading within minutes. That's usually unheard of. Usually you have to go into an office or fill out a PDF and send it in and get approvals. Well, now you can open a Robinhood account and start trading whatever you want within minutes, which is really democratizing access to investing. You know, at your time at BlackRock, it seemed like you stayed there for so many different years and dabbled into different roles as well. So what types of projects did you do within BlackRock and how do you think it impacted the fintech industry? 
Yeah, my roles have always centered around sales, distribution, and product. So when I say product, it's it's primarily investment product in the BlackRock sense. So really understanding how our clients using our products and how can we make sure that you know they're using the right products and getting more use out of it. And so that's really what I really love to do. I love to be able to work with our partners. So I worked with when I was at BlackRock, part of my time I worked with the Morgan Stanleys and the Merrill Lynches and help them understand how do they use ETS for their clients? What's the benefit of using ETS for their clients? And how do we partner with them to perhaps get better education to the advisors and get better education to the users? So I really love that part of my roles at BlackRock was really helping people get more involved in ETFs and, and being able to use ETFs as a more efficient tool for their clients. And so that's really, I think, you know, kind of started what some of the things I'm doing now in terms of that partnership sense, really understanding how do you create these really big partnerships and complex partnerships with larger entities. I think now what you're seeing is that you're seeing a lot of the Black Rocks and the Goldmans and the JP Morgans really interested in tapping into, you know, kind of what I call the startup space, you know, smaller companies that are a little bit more innovative that can, you know, provide them with a tool or resource to help them be more innovative themselves internally without them having to build it. So it's that build, borrow, or, or buy conversation. So it's really great, you know, kind of set me up for really understanding how to create those type of partnerships. And you touched upon your shift earlier from BlackRock into a smaller fintech solutions company. So why did you make that transition and what was the change like? The whole reason for me to, to make the switch was really getting into and being very more active in the conversation about innovative technology for asset management or investment and wanted to be really kind of just right deep into that story and then helping that story come along. I'll admit the transition was hard. So when you we spend a lot of time at a BlackRock, it's a fantastic firm and you have your marketing teams and you have your HR teams and you have all these great people and resources And then when you go to a smaller organization, you don't have that. You don't, you know, you don't have necessarily a marketing team that can whip around a deck for you in two seconds. Now, I'm not so bad at decks, but there are people that are better at it. And I always relied on those better people at BlackRock. So I had to quickly learn, okay, how am I telling this story? Um, So I had to put my marketing hat on or I had to, you know, kind of chase things more so than I would have at BlackRock. I also, though, discovered on the upside, though, that, you know, sometimes things can move a little bit faster. Right. Just because you're not part of a a much bigger organization, you can move conversations faster. Decision making is a little bit faster and you have direct access. Um, You know, I worked really closely with our our CEO at Apex a number of times. And so, you know, I would still say so after Apex actually went to a smaller firm that was a seed stage firm. So they raised, you know, four million in their seed. And I joined as head of business development at Harness Wealth to build out their marketplace. And so when I talk about no resources, you know, I was it. So I had to learn, you know, how do I, how do I create this infrastructure? I remember one of the very first things I had to do is I had to get us a phone number, right? Like, so you have to think about some of those things, you know, when you're building and working as part of a startup, you really have to roll up your sleeves sleeves, and that can be a big transition from someone coming from a big entity. What you shared really resonates, right? Because it's a very similar story to what I've been through, right? I spent the last 15 years on large organizations, right? At Barclays and stuff, right? With all of these support systems. And then jump right into the startup, right, where you have to wear so many hats and almost do everything yourself as, you know, you're recruiting a great team like Mo and others, right, which is quite interesting. But I think, you know, one thing when you said about resonate and making you really curious, right, in the sense that what makes you wanting to take the risk, right, or even like, you know, into this place and what the upside that you really feel like 
what like you know future that you're really envisioning for yourself right, in terms of career one of the trends that I saw in myself when I was at BlackRock actually was I always joined new teams so I joined teams that were looking into a green field that needed to set up infrastructure or that really wanted that saw commercial value and that were trying to figure out how to how to penetrate that market and that's really what I love to do was you know kind of these new green opportunities and how do we work with the partners in that space and how do we build that and so I think it really speaks well to then joining firms that do that so it's a little bit of a different scale but joining firms and I it is a big risk right there's a lot of differences when it comes to working for a big entity versus a startup the pay is different so let's you know be very transparent about that the the pay structure of what you're expecting is very different there is less stability in it right there is a little bit of a risk and it's not every startup too is going to result in an uber ipo so you have to realize and be very realistic that just because you are getting a little bit of a difference in terms of your compensation in terms of cash versus equity you're not you know going to buy a mansion in 3 years potentially you know a lot of startups don't necessarily ipo or or do extremely well so you have to make a really good and educated decision to to join a startup but i really love it i mean i i love the fact that I'm in there, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I am building from day one. And that's really exciting to me is how do I build and, and get that conversation in the marketplace? And how do I help people understand that there's, you know, some really interesting innovations happening for that firm? It's it's not an easy road, I'll have to say, but I think it's very rewarding. And I think a lot of our conversation so far has been centered on this work of fintech. And you founded NYC Fintech Women which is a really an awesome organization that brings all the women together, right, for the fintech industry. So maybe tell us a little bit more, uh, what makes you want to fund NYC Fintech Women and who you are, right, what the organization does, right, and then what you see for the future of NYC Fintech Women. Yeah, it's, it's been so amazing to be part of this community and to help build it, too. Um, the reason why I started it was really... One, after being at BlackRock and being part of fintech and then joining Apex, I realized that there wasn't that easy to find community for me to speak to women in fintech to either help with my career or help with business opportunities. What was happening was I was going to so many women in tech conferences or events, and I'd have to you know, chat everyone up and find the woman in fintech for it to be you know, very super relevant to what I was doing. Or I'd be going to a lot of fintech-specific events, and there would be, you know, 95% male and 5% female. And where, you know, I'm happy to talk to males. That's not the issue. It's more of, I think, there, there's more that we can do as a collective community to really elevate the conversation. So NYC Fintech Women, you know, really how it started was I paid my $80 fee to meetup.com, and I, I came up with a name, and I said, great, on this Tuesday in New York, this is when we're all meeting at a bar. And it was a rainy Tuesday in New York. And as many people who live in New York know, when it's raining, you usually don't go out. So I was actually really happy that we got 16 women at a bar on a Tuesday in the Flatiron, which is you know Silicon Alley. And from there, I met my co-founder, Sasha Pilch. And so she came up to me. She just moved from Australia. She worked for Quovo, now Plaid. And she was really interested also in helping me build out this community. So her and I continued to have meetups. So our goal was every month, we're going to just put it out there and see who shows up. 
And it's amazing that people showed up time and time again, and we had to find new venues because there's so many people. And what we started doing too was working with companies to help us, you know, with the venues and help us with the conversation. So it was great to to have that support the fintech community. And now, you know, we're eight thousand members across U.S. and globally. Seventy percent of our members are based in New York. Um, and our mission is really it's to to connect, empower, and promote women in fintech. And those three action items are really important to us. So making sure we connect by putting people together in the networking piece, we empower by giving them resources, and then promote. And the promote thing is my actual, my favorite, and it's the one that I feel most strongly about, is that we need to raise the visibility of ourselves in order to really accomplish what we want in our career and our businesses, and because there's just not enough of it done. So how do you speak about yourself? How do you speak about others? And so we put a lot of programs in place to make sure that we we talk about people and what they're doing. And it's not necessarily their journey as a female in fintech, but it's them. And it's also them as subject matter experts. What do they know? Tell us, you know, why you're so awesome. And it's yes, because you're female, but you know, you're awesome because you know everything about crypto or, you know, everything about wealth tech. And so that's what we're, we're really excited to be out there. And we have a, a great team that helps run NYC FinTech Women. So we have about 20 people that help us out. Oh, that's really interesting because I was talking to a reporter almost a month ago, right? And she said, oh, now you're a CEO and founder. But she said, you're a female CEO and founder. And I said, no, I'm a CEO and founder, not a female CEO and founder. Yep. Sometimes it's quite interesting. I mean, like, it's interesting to identify as women, right? And identify us as a kind of cluster or like a group. So we can support and build the communities. But sometimes I really love what you shared, right? It's like you are your first, right? You're yourself. You're not just a woman doing amazing things. You're amazing yourself, right? So I think that's really interesting. I think the other piece of that too is making sure that we show diversity in the type of woman, right? So it's not just, you know, a single female late 20s who are killing and rocking the fintech space. It's also, you know, the mom who has a bunch of kids running and bursting into meetings on Zoom meetings that's running fintech. And, or you have, you know, the junior analyst who's really starting fintech, but really coming up with some great ideas. Or you have that seasoned executive who fintech for her is the, you know, third career that she's had. So it's, it comes in all different shapes and sizes and sleeves. And so that's the other thing that we're trying to do too, is to showcase that it's not just one type of person. It is, you know, there are a lot of different versions of someone who can succeed in fintech. And then we talked about the word fintech a lot, right? So what is your definition of fintech? So very clearly financial technology is fintech. And I do love it. So when I when I was leaving BlackRock, I remember there was an article Larry Fink was quoted. And Larry Fink is the CEO of, of BlackRock. And he said, you know what? BlackRock is the original fintech company. And you know, like, he's not wrong, right? So they built Aladdin in the 1980s, I think it was. And that is, you know, a financial technology tool that a lot of people use to this day. So I think it's really interesting how fintech has kind of taken a life in its own to mean, you know, startup fintech to now JP Morgan and, and Citi and, and Goldman are all fintech um, versions of themselves. Definitely. You know, one of the things we love to say at Working Fintech is every company is becoming a fintech company. Right? So yes. it's really encompassing of all. And I think it really just embodies innovation, right? And then just stepping into the unknown because most of the work that the fintech company dealt with has never been dealt with before, right? Which I think that's actually the amazing 
kind of power and why people wanted to dive into the space, right? Because there's so much to explore and so much to build. Yeah, there's so much more innovation to come to. You know, there's efficiency, there's access to markets. That's the piece I'm really interested in too, is how, how do you, all these fintech firms are creating basically channels into accessing capital for different communities of people. So everything from the underserved and underbanked to those who want to access digital currency. So it's, it's really providing really interesting and, and cool ways for people to get access to capital. And, you know, Meng, uh, along with some of our interns, right, and our participants are university students. And they are just uh, peeling down the onion and starting to understand what is fintech, right, what are all these amazing opportunities and et cetera. So what would be your advice, right, for people who are still in universities or school but wanting to dive into the world of fintech? Um, I would say a couple of things. One is to... You know, as people are going back in person and doing more networking events, 100% is going to these networking events. I think that is the best way to really, one, establish relationship with people in fintech and also to really learn about what people are doing in fintech. That's interesting. You know, there's not only the networking, but being able to hear from the experts in the space in terms of what are the new trends that they're seeing? What are these new ideas that they're coming to market? I think that from a, a college student perspective, I think that's where, you know, something that I think back to myself when I was in college way too long ago is I was dead set. I was joining a big firm. I had to have a big name. You know, my parents said I had to, so I did, but I didn't know what else there was out there. And, you know, in hindsight, it was great that I had joined these companies and it gave me a foundation to take the next step. But I also do wish I had peeled back that onion a little bit more and dig a little bit digging in terms of, hey, there's also really cool, smaller companies out there that don't necessarily, you know, they're not the Goldmans, but they're really doing something super interesting. And they're working with the Goldmans and they're working with the big entities. And so to be okay with taking the, the leap of faith with some of these firms. And I think exactly as you said, right, I felt like you and I are similar age, right, so we're a similar generation. And I felt like when we graduated from school, um, the information about career or even just about the choices are very limited, right? You especially you still primarily rely on your network, on people, right, who you know. But now with the explosion of the internet and just like a, the Google school, right, just like you can get access to so many information. And I think, you know, that's something that when we meet with students in general, what we find that they haven't really taken advantage, right, of all these resources and connections and information out there to think about their career path. Right. They still like laser focused on the schoolwork. It's not saying schoolwork is not good, right? They should probably really uh, focus. But I think what you raised is a really good point, right? In terms of uh, get connected with people and then just to ask what people are doing, which can open a lot of doors for you, right? Which yeah. you might never thought of. And I would say definitely just to know too, it takes practice. It takes practice going out there and networking and and meeting people. And it's, you know, I know for a lot of people, it's not easy and it's not the first thing that they want to do, but it's, it's one that just pays, you know, dividends in terms of your career along the lines, you know, after a while, when you think about your career projection and kind of, you know, where you and I are in, in terms of how do we find those roles? How do people really kind of elevate their careers? And it's, it's never really because you, you submitted something online or to LinkedIn, you know, it's, it's usually through a, a strong connection that you have in the marketplace as you're building your brand and you're building your reputation. So definitely would advocate. And then also, 
you know, I also would say if there's someone that you're really interested in talking to in the market, it never hurts to reach out. So one thing that I continue to do to this day too, is that there's someone really interesting that I want to hear from or have a question for, I just do sometimes a cold reach out. Um, and part of that, and the worst thing they can do is not respond or say no, but you never know the great conversations that you might have just reaching out to people. Definitely. And you know, one of the trends we noticed, right, similar to you and me, who made the jump from traditional finance to fintech or just to, you know, our own endeavor, what are some of the advice you have for not only women, but just in general, when people are in their mid-career and looking for a transition or pivot their career to the next steps? I think that the biggest advice I'd have there is really to understand, one, recognize that, you know, careers are not linear, right? Careers are... And I think people sometimes struggle with that. It's like, oh, if I join this firm, what's the next role I'm going to have? What's the next role I should have after that? I think that the biggest advice that I would have is really to understand, you know, what gets you up in the day, right? So for me, you know, I'm really interested in helping firms establish commercial success in scaled ways. So like, how do we build these great big partnerships? How do we do big sales efforts? And that's really, really interesting to me. I know what I don't like to do. And so really having a clear understanding of, you know, what really gets you up in the morning, what gets you excited at the end of the day is a really great start. But then also then taking the next step to identify really interesting companies that also help provide a little bit more of that, that passion component for what you want to accomplish in your life. For me, I, you know, I've always enjoyed being in financial services, but my particular vertical that I tend to stay in is a wealth tech. And the reason why is that I'm really helping to not only provide access to capital for certain people, but helping people understand how to how to create better wealth for themselves um, and better wealth for themselves then will enable them to you know do more with their lives in general. And so I'm actually just you know very passionate about making sure that that conversation happens. And that's the type of firms that I tend to look at, even as you know, now as I'm kind of looking at some other firms, I'm looking in the crypto space because I think the crypto space can do that for people. A lot of the conversations now are conversation between crypto and, and immigrants is really interesting. You know, how can crypto really help elevate that generational wealth that people need to obtain in order to take the next step? And so that's what I would advise is one to understand exactly from a, a role perspective, what gets you really interested. And then two, what are some of these really interesting companies that fill that kind of passion need that you have? And you mentioned about wealth tech, right? And then maybe tell us a little bit what you see in the new trend and what's going on in the industry, right? Probably for the next five to 10 years. Yeah, so I think the the trend is going to be more digitization of wealth in general. It's actually kind of surprising. So some firms still do paper forms. They still, you know, print out things and highlight things and make you sign and then send it back, which is completely inefficient. Um, and so I do think you're going to see more of the online mechanisms. And it's already in place, right? A lot of firms already do that or require that from a, a risk perspective as well. But I think that's going to be more and more so. I think there's going to be the intersection between wealth and, and crypto is very interesting. So from a financial services point, you have, you know, within the wealth management side, you, crypto is right now about, say, 3 to 5% of investment portfolios. I think that's going to continue to increase over time with retail investors, also institutional investors. You're going to see more use of digital currency in general. So the use of, say, stablecoin will be used as kind of a cash component versus, you know, Bitcoin, which is more volatile, and that might be more used for a smaller allocation. So I think you're going to see more and more of that. And then you're going to see more technologies that support those currencies as well, from a reporting standpoint, portfolio management, 
record keeping, tax. You know, one of the the biggest Series A that we've had this year is raised by a firm that has a tax technology for crypto. So they do taxes for crypto. They're not even in crypto space. They do taxes for crypto. And they raised $100 million in their Series A, which is unheard of. It's, I I guess now we're moving towards the $100 million Series A. That's the new norm. (laughs) Which is so crazy. As you see it year after year, bigger, bigger, bigger. Before you know, it's going to be like a billion dollar Series E. But yeah, so I think there's there's a lot of talk and it comes new and innovation in that space too. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much for not only sharing with us your career and uh, NYC FinTech Women, but also your view in the wealth tech space, which is really fascinating. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was so fun to chat.